Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 100. We're finally here. Who would have thought, right? 100 episodes. But today we're going to talk about how to go from accountability to generational wealth. We're going to talk about this. How are we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. the value that you bring to the marketplace you know what your passion is you know why you do what you do so racism it's out there but it doesn't have to stop you just because somebody might look at you a certain way that doesn't have to stop your forward progress that's where you have to eliminate the excuses you're gonna make that game plan say for me to get to that point So my original plan was I was going to come out playing Celebration by Coolin' the Gang for the 100th episode, but then Facebook and YouTube are both going to censor it for copyright, so we'll just do it ourselves. Celebration, right? Celebrate. 100 episodes. So it's amazing. And in those episodes, I can't even tell you like which one was my favorite one, because on each show, because everyone is so unique and everyone brings a unique perspective as they're sharing their stories everyone has been absolutely amazing. And as I go back and I listen to the past episodes, I still pick up little golden nuggets that I may have missed during the live stream. So for those of you who are new to the show or new to my YouTube channel, definitely go back and dive in because it, it covers anything. It's about overcoming obstacles, eliminating the excuses, and stepping into your greatness. So with that being said, as I said earlier, I'm going to talk about going from accountability to generational wealth. So I'm going to give you my definition of accountability before I bring on my, my guest, who is an expert in this area. So for, for me, accountability is taking responsibility for everything, no matter what it is, right? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're struggling with, it's very, very easy to point the finger. It's very, very easy. It's, it's a harder thing, but it's, it's, a, it's something that's necessary for your personal growth is once you start saying, you know what? I have to change this. It is on me. It's not on anyone else. It's not on my parents. It's not on my spouse. It's not on the government. It's not on any group of people. It's not any other organization. It's me. Once I decide to take charge of my future, that's when I become unstoppable. Right? So that's my definition. So now let's hear my guest definition. So who is this guest I am speaking of? She is known as the accountability accountant and entrepreneur committed to helping African-Americans build generational wealth. 
Over the course of her career, she has assisted small businesses in saving more than $25 million in taxes. She is also the host of the syndicated radio show on finance called The Money Zone. Help me welcome to the show, Felicia Day. Did I get it? I can't hear you. You're muted. <laughs> yes, you did, Robert. How are you? Good, 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 good. Glad to hear it. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm amazing. Love it. Love that answer. Where, where were you joining us from? Um, Clinton, Maryland. Maryland. All right. What's that near? Um, DC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My last guest was from around that, that area too. I should uh, connect you guys. Love it. Connect. Who was that? That, that was Amanda. Yeah. She's down there in that, that area. She said she's like in between Baltimore and DC. Ooh. Somewhere around there. So see, made your first connection and we've only <laughs> spoken two seconds. <laughs> hey, that's how networking works. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's get to know you first. So if you could summarize yourself and, you know, a couple sentences, you know, just who is Felicia Day? Oh, well, who is Felicia Day? So Felicia Day is a mom, a wife, a businesswoman, well, what we call now mompreneur. Mm. Um, I'm a free spirit, quirky, <laughs> outgoing, introvert slash extrovert. Yes. Um, accountability, well, accountable um, individual. Okay. I like that. See, now people that, that know me, when, when I'm in my element, I am very over the top. Like I'm a, I'm a Leo, I'm a competitive athlete. You know, I have no shortage of confidence, but when I'm out of the element, I want to be left alone. <laughs> like, like I, I have my, my next door neighbor. This is going to be awful to say. I've been living here for six years. I have no idea what her name is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no idea. Like I talk to people all day. I speak, well, virtually now all across the world. And it's like when I'm, when I'm home, like, I'm sorry. No, I don't want to talk. I just, I just don't. <laughs> so, so I understand that. How, how many kids do you have? Two, a nine-year-old girl and a three-year-old boy. Oh, nice. Nine and three. And how long have you been married? Ten years. As Ten of years. May, yeah, as of May 9th. Oh, nice. Nice. Congratulations. Milestone. That's great. See, it's like, I like these questions because I like to know who I'm talking to. Yes. You know, it's like when I first started, like, I think it was my first seven or eight episodes. I was like, I just spent an hour with this person and I know nothing about them. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I know about their business and who they serve like, but I don't know them. You know, the surface of, yeah, them, you know, exactly. like I want to get to the heart yeah. of, of how you became mm -hmm. who, who you are now, you know? So, so like if some of my, my questions throw you off guard, like it, it's all yeah. to lead to where, where you're going. Okay. All right. And so as, as a child, what was your dream ambition? Well, first off, my the immediate dream was to go to the Olympics. I was like okay. an athlete. I was like the third fastest girl in the DMV. Um, but uh, long story short, that dream fell. Um, then my second dream became I wanted to go to Hollywood and do set designs. I went to um, Duke Ellington, the School of the Arts. And then um, my whole lifestyle completely changed at that moment. And then that's when I veered into um, becoming an accountant. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so let's go back to the Olympics. And what sport? Uh, track and field or volleyball. 
Nice. Hey, check it out. I played yeah. both. So oh. I actually had Olympic dreams too. And I ended up injuring myself trying wow. to trying not to qualify in the triple jump. Wow. Yeah. And then the next year I, I was in the junior Olympic circuit. I made it all the way to the nationals and then I hurt my knee in the high jump. <laughs> so, so same thing. It's like that. Yeah. Let me tell you, that stung for a long time. You know, it still kind of time. stings a little bit as you, you know, you see the competition coming. You're like, oh, that was supposed to be, you know, me, you know. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. See, like, and, and that's what, that's why I wanted to start there because I know when you're, when you're that caliber of athlete, it consumes you. Like yes. it really does. Every ounce of my being was training and form and flexibility. So once you realize that dream, well, actually first, what caused that dream to go away? Uh, well, the location changed. So I went okay. from um, attending uh, impoverished um, high school in D.C., Spangarn. Yeah. And so I ended up to kind of make sure I stay on the right path. Me, my mom, and my dad made the right decision to get me out of that school. And so I ended up going to Maryland um, and kind of adjusting. And um, track and field was like a major sport at that school. So yeah. it just, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, so far, we're a lot in alignment. So my... I'm one of seven kids. Okay. And I was born in New York City. We lived we lived in the projects. And, <laughs> and I don't have much I don't have much recollection of that. We moved out of there when I was two and a half. But my dad left left my mom and okay. us kids yeah. in New York. He came up here to Rhode Island, you know, got a job. I think he was up here for like six months, but got a job, saved money, bought bought us a house in a rural area. You know, better community, better school system. And like in all of us are successful, you know, oh, wow. all, all of us kids. So like that's because I have another show show too where I get into more controversial topics. Mm -hmm. And like that's my main message about take taking whatever you have and you have to fix it. It's yeah. Like nobody else is going to fix it. So I'm glad that that you shared that. And if you don't mind, I would like to share that clip on my other show. That's fine. That's okay. Fine. Okay. Good, good, good. So, yeah, because like I said, this is all about overcoming obstacles. So what was it like adapting to life in the new school? Painful because I was popular at my other school. I knew everybody, you know, um, but no, it, it was it was brutal. Um, but that's when, uh, was it, I think it was 9-11 happened. Okay. Um, so it was just a major transition. I ended up, that was like my first year there. 9-11 happened. Mm. Um, I didn't know anyone. Uh, it was a mess. And I wasn't from the neighboring schools like everyone else. So I was like the outcast, but, um, I made it through and stuck it out and just got the diploma basically. I love that. Stuck it out and made it through. Love it. All right. So how was, did you go to college? Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to. Yes. I went to college. I have my master's in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just trying to get it from your words. Yes, yes, so it's like, yes. I, I knew you did, but I had to act like you didn't. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. All right. So, and so did you major in accounting? Yes, I did. You know, okay. Okay. And so what, what intrigued you about that field? Well, I have to give props to my good old dad. Um, he's an accountant. He's actually my well, he, he's actually my competition here in Maryland. So he uh -huh. was um, self-employed um, when I was attending Spingon and things like that. So I was always um, kind of exposed of it, and then I did like interning with him over the summertime and things like that. I had my little first summer job there and things. And so I started to really get exposed um, to taxes, mainly um, with, with working with my dad. 
um, doing summer jobs and things like that. So um, he had said one thing to me that really piqued my interest because I, I, I was doing the part-time job with him just to do it. You know, it was the norm to have a summer job. Yep. But he has said, Shade, in his African voice, he said, Shade, <laughs> people don't want to admit, but accountants rule the world. And I'm like, what you mean, accountants rule the world? You, you, you put your little suit on, you got your big office, <laughs> but what else? You know, I, was, I wasn't really aware. Um, and then he started to um, quickly break down that um, most CEOs, CFOs of these major corporations, they're accountants. Um, all of the rich and wealthy people have accountants. Um, you need accountants that file taxes and just we are like, we are help in the decision making um, and the evaluation and the analysis of the overall economy and the country's finances. And so at that point, I just said, you know what? All right, that's going to be like my fallback. And then at that <laughs> point, I just went completely all in. Nice. All right. So post-college, what was your first job? Uh, well, working with my dad. He had his firm. Oh, okay. Um, so post-college, um, I worked with him. Uh, we were supposed to dominate the DMV. I thought, you know, he has that old school knowledge. And me gaining and, you know, acquiring the new school old and new dominate so that's <laughs> yep so that's what that was what the plans were love it yeah so i have five children of my own wow. and my my second oldest she's she's gonna be 19 next month and i had her fill in a couple weeks ago on on my other show it was supposed okay. to be it was supposed to be a debate show and a couple of the people didn't show so i i had her join like she's a straight up introvert <laughs> so so at first she's like you what you, you muted somehow. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and so she um I had her come on and join and she did a good job. And then so it was just she and I last week, and I was like, you know what? We should just do a father-daughter show. And yes. like like you can share, yes. you know, me, I'm gonna be 47 in a couple months. So it's like you can share my perspective of the world and you can share a teenager's mm -hmm. perspective of the world. I said, I said, I think I think that that could be catchy. You know, so uh, next Monday we're still gonna have a couple guests, but but I, I like that because then I get the chance to mold her. Yes. You know, instead of sending her off in, into the workforce and letting mm -hmm. someone else mold her. You know, like that. That's you. So I'm glad you got to experience that with your dad. So, when did you get the idea to become an entrepreneur? Oh well. Well, um, obviously, well, I'm sorry. That that's not, that's a foolish question because your dad's an entrepreneur, <laughs> and then you worked with him. So, yeah. but anyways. Take, 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 take me through it in your words. Well, I knew that uh, early on that I was going to be an entrepreneur. So what I did was, and I come, I, well, let me backtrack a little bit. At 16, I became my mom's legal guardian. Okay? okay. So at 16, in addition to me going to high school and, you know, I was taking care of my mom. And so at the age of 19, I was taking care of my mom. Um, so going into um, college for my undergrad, I already knew that my chances of um, going into a big Ivy League or anything like that was out and I had to stay home and take care of my mom. And at that point, what I, because I always knew I was going to own my own firm anyway, based off my dad's experience. At that point, uh, and sorry to say this, guys, don't don't hate me. I just did because of the lifestyle stress, the you know, being the main breadwinner and all that. I ended up um, actually just doing the bare minimum to pass. So, you know, if I did easily get an A in the class, I got an A. If I got a B, well, I did the work. 
but it wasn't like if I wanted to go to Harvard, what level of grades I had to maintain. You know, that I knew that all I really needed was the bachelor's degree. Whereas someone that wanted to work at the big four, they asked for your bachelor's degree and your GPA and your transcript and things like that. So at that point, I had already pre-planned my life and the goal was to at least just get out of university on my undergrad. And so at that point, I just went deep dive in the, the class that I can get a B in. I got a B or A. The class I get to see, I got a COB. Uh, I just did what I had to do, you know, Robert. So let me be honest. So I hope that answered your question. At all. Yeah. I did, it did, it did. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good, you're good. And I I agree with that wholeheartedly because I've shared on, on this show before. So for people listening, sorry if I'm, uh, you know, duplicating, but the valedictorian of my high school, He's in jail for life. <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a three-time college dropout, and I mentor people with degrees. You know, you know what I mean. So, so I'm not, I'm not discounting degree. I'm just saying, but there's other ways to get there. Yes. You know, it's like, like you don't have to be a straight A student. You don't have to have a PhD. You, you gotta have what, like, just like you said, you had your life pre-planned. Mm -hmm. So you were gonna make it happen regardless. Regardless. You know, so like once I got it in my mind that I'm not to sit in class and just learn from, from a book type. So I scoured the country and I went to marketing seminars. I went to branding seminars. I went to media pitching seminars and, cool. you know, and I learned the things I needed to know to take myself where I needed to be. You know, so I love the fact that that you had a plan. So if you could say something right now. And I don't, I don't care what, what race they are to just some young kid. Mm -hmm. What's one thing you could say to them? Um, I would just say, don't get stuck on one thing. Just because what you desire may not be in your reach, such as your career, your lifestyle, your dreams, it's still possible, but it may be coming from a different angle. You have to be an open-minded individual and be willing to adjust um, based on life um, challenges and you know, I see so many individuals, Robert, fail because they're stuck on that high school dream or they're stuck on that college dream. And, you know, God's like, I have a whole different plan from you. You didn't follow along. So, you know, that's when um, you just have to really figure out what is really the lifestyle that you really want. Um, not necessarily the career. I think that's where we're going wrong, Robert, is where we're so focused more so just on the career. But what does that career, what type of lifestyle does that career bring you? Does it bring you yeah. what you want? And make your decisions and outline what you want at that point. Because that's basically what I did. I said, I, I want to be free. I don't want to have to work for nobody. I want to be able to travel to Nigeria like my dad do after tax season and move on and, you know, and be free. And so, you know, being free, first of all, let me know, Robert, that I had to work for myself. That was conclusion number one. Yep. Then, now how much money do I want to make? Do I just want to make the six figures like every, every other account? Or do I want to make seven figures? If I want to make seven figures, what do I need to do? So I think... Um, if they just go with that mind frame and be open and adjustable, um, they'll win. And shut off the news. Yes. Oh, my Lord. So, yeah, I just jotted down, which, uh, what do I need to do? That's what's missing in today's culture. That's what's missing. Because everybody's so quick to point the finger at this mm -hmm. is wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. And whenever people say that stuff to me, I say, what you going to do? You know, so everything you just said, that's my question. What you're going to do? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's things, you know, there's there's racist people out there. What yeah. you're going to do? There's sexist people out there. What you're going to do? Right. There's gangs out there. What you're going to do? 
you know, it's like, it's that simple. Like I said, in my opening monologue there, once you take full accountability for your direction, that's when you become free. You said it, Robert. I could, yes. <laughs> that's why I said I couldn't really say anything when you said the intro. That, that, that was perfect. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you. A little lump on our neck. And, um, and <clears throat> we were joking about it because I have like a little roly poly neck or whatever. So I was like, well, I guess she got my neck. I don't know. And then so, but my immigrant's father had a daughter from a previous relationship. So he knew he was like really background. Um, get them to first of all, under shift in the mindset first, uh, first layer, shift in the mindset. Um, and then I use the most basic tool that everybody is aware of, which is your tax return to really start. Five, go home. I'll let you know. I sent my girlfriend. I was like, thank y'all for coming. You know, I'll let you know the results because I'm not thinking anything of it. Like, I'm like, she's going to be fine and we're going to move on. And um, so the doctor, he came in, we were sitting in the room and he came in, his face was just blank, no expressions. And he was like, well, your child, um, there was some um, some abnormalities. And I was like, well, okay. And he was like, uh, very, very matter of fact, like the worst bedside manner at all. Like it just, it always bothers me because it's like, you're delivering live devastating news and you need to have some softness about you, even though this might've been the 50th time that you said it, but this is the first time that I'm hearing it. Yeah. So it was, you know, it wasn't, he was like, you know, um, I remember he said, well, you know, if, if she, at the time, we didn't know if it was a girl or boy. And he said, well, if the child has, if it comes back and if it's a girl, then it has Turner syndrome. And then she'll have a 1% chance of making it. It could be Down syndrome or it could be something else. I can't remember the other. And my my, my ears just went blank. Like I just, it was like complete, like deafening silence. And I just know that I was, I remember just crying and wailing. And I was like, what, you know, what could I have done? What, you know, and he was like, and then he told like a crap, like a, a joke. And he was like, well, did you get, did you, did he, he was like, did he massage your feet? And I said, no. And he was like, see, nothing would have helped. And I'm like, what are you talking wow. Like, Who does this? Who says this? Like, wow. you just told me that if I have a girl, there's a 1% chance of her making it. And then you just told me that she could have, you know, the child could have Down syndrome. Like, who does this? This is, I was so, it was every emotion. Wow. So I had to take a test called a karyotype test where they, um, I didn't want the amyo, am, amniocentesis. I didn't want that because that's when they, you know, go through your stomach, and baby, yeah. the sack and things. I didn't want that. So they did the cryotype test where they take the mother's blood and they were able to tell the sex of the child that way because it was, it was very early to tell. Mm. So I had to wait. My baby's in here now. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, sweetie. Let me finish doing the show, okay? Okay? I promise. Mm -hmm. Give me two seconds. Okay, come and say hello to everyone. This is Talia. Today is her birthday. Say hi. Happy birthday, Talia. What do you say? <laughs> okay. I like your hair. What do you say? Say thank you. Okay, can you take my phone? Okay, well then exit the room and then here, take my phone. <laughs> we'll play the phone. Mommy, be right out. Okay? Close the door. Let me let me hold it so I can put the code in. Sorry. No, it's okay. This, this is actually why I like live recordings because because this is real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is real life. All right, go close the door. Thank you. 
Okay, I'll get you some shorts. Okay. Um, and where was I? You were oh, so I had to wait. Yeah. Well, I took the test and I had to wait 14 days to get the results back. And um, they called Immigrace's father and we were going to the movies that day. And because um, I was trying to like that whole week, that whole the two weeks, I mean, I was reading everything, which you're not supposed, you know, you shouldn't do that. You look on everything on the internet mm -hmm. and you're reading everything, you're scaring yourself, and then you're trying. So it's like every emotion. One minute I'm like trying to hype myself up, and then I work with special needs kids. So it's done. he's a mechanic. But uh, I, I said that I said that to, to Olivia. I said, you know, when you're done, so you should just work with me. I said because yeah. I'm gonna have to hire someone anyway. And those, those are my exact words. I said by hiring you, we keep the money in the household. And then my twin boys, like they're only twelve, but they want to start a YouTube channel. Yes. You know, and so because like they like they like video games, they like playing video games and they see other people doing it. I was like, you guys can do that, too. And you can still be a branch of what we do. Exactly. I said we can keep it under the same umbrella. I said, so when I'm ready to retire, you guys just take it over and then it continues. Win-win <laughs> for everybody, even your yes. grandchildren and everything. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you break the cycle. Like yes. When so I, that's what I ahead. try to do, Robert, is is first of all, before I can break the cycle, is the part for hard part is the mental part. And then, you know, once I, you know, start strategizing with them like that, it's just a win-win for all of us. But you know, our community, we're lacking that. Like we that's the one of the primary reasons why we are in the financial state that we are as a whole, not just because we didn't receive reparations. No, that's part of it, yes. But the second layer of it is that we just didn't have the knowledge and the resources and the things that we have today to make the changes there it is exactly because people people want to keep regurgitating over the past and was it awful yes but the entire world was barbaric at one point the entire world like the roman empire mussolini killed millions joseph stalin killed 50 million of his own people in russia like uh -huh, uh -huh. you know the ottoman empire the babylonians like there's really not one per period in time outside of right now where you could say the world wasn't a barbaric place but you hit the nail on the head you know our community is lacking that education but they're also constantly told by the media yeah. and the politicians that yeah. you you can't have what they can have. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. And so when I speak in schools, I make sure, especially in the city schools, I, I make sure the kids know you, it's your duty to, to break the cycle. Yeah. It's your duty. Like if, if your parents weren't able to do it, then it's up to you, you know? And so you're right though, but getting people to buy into that when you're told your entire life, you can't. Like right. you, you are stuck living in these projects, you know. So, so, so I'm glad people like you are coming forward and saying, "No, there's another way." Yeah, and I think also, Robert, because you know, I grew up in the hood or what we consider the projects and stuff. We have to also take the dark, the signs that you know God placed on our life because I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't, if God didn't evict, get my mother sick or her deathbed, and we can no longer afford the rent in our apartment. So he literally had to force us out of the community to protect my life. 
You understand? Because I wouldn't be the same person if I still lived in that same um, community with the same and, you know, factors and mindset um, that I was surrounded around. So sometimes we have to take those signs because, you know, like, for example, if you get fired from a job multiple times and it's the same kind. That's a sign that it's not yeah. meant for you to be in that industry <laughs> or, you know, what I mean, like you, we have to now have that faith and trust to say, you know, what sign? What are you saying? Are you telling me that I need to move and you, you'll figure it out for me? Okay, so what, yeah. what's the next steps? And that's exactly what I did. So for me to move out the hood, right, my house got burglarized and someone said, you can go get um, a stipend from the government um, for the stuff that they stole. I got a $1,500 stipend, used it as my deposit and moved on. Mm, see? And figured it out ever since. Yep. So sometimes we have to take those tough times as signs as well, instead of just, you know, dwelling in it. I had, I had to get on, you know, welfare once I lost my job in 2009 and it took two and a half months for my unemployment to get, to get approved. And, you know, 2009 was the height of the recession. I was a restaurant manager then. And I had said five, five kids. Well, actually, no, my, my ex, she was, she was, she was pregnant with the twins when this okay. happened. She was seven months pregnant and I lost my job, was blindsided. And I, I had just started doing fitness classes out of my garage, but it was just, just for fun. You know, like I, I was making some kick around cash with it, but it was one of those things where when I lost my job, of course I was mad at first because who, who wants to get fired? Yeah. But then I started thinking I clashed with every single boss I've ever had. Every single one, <laughs> you know, and surprisingly, that's the first time I lost my job. <laughs> you know, because like in my 20s, I was feisty. You know, and some people would argue I'm feisty now, but I was way feistier in my 20s, right? So, so anyways, I was like, you know, I can pursue fitness now. And I didn't even really ha have a plan. I just knew that I was good at making people feel invincible. I said, so if I just step into that, like I, I had no savings, I messed up, messed up my, my credit from not paying my student loans, you know, like all the stupid, stupid mistakes <laughs> people make, you know, and, but I just went to my mom and it's like, I'm not going to manage anymore. And she was like, what? It's like, you got twin babies coming. She's like, like, how are you going to do that? And, you know, just people in my circle were like, you're chasing this American dream and that, that isn't for you. And I was like, yeah, I'm not listen to any of you. I yep. said, I found something I'm good at. I love to do it. And these people love to come see me. <laughs> I was like, and that's a great feeling when people start getting results and, and that and telling you, you, you've built my confidence. You've changed my life. You know, you made me, uh, you believed in me before I believed in myself. Like th those are all amazing feelings. Yes. And so I just stepped into that. And then the universe just opened up door after door after door. And here we are. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Know? Thank you. Thank you. So, all right. So add on to your story. So you, you start them out with the mindset and then what's the next step in the process? Okay. So we start out with the mindset and then I use the tax return to kind of teach them and show them, first of all, that this is not your money. So, and teach them about the itemized, like the basic credits that every individual, well, if you're a high income earner, it's all, it's kind of limited depending on your income, but every individual taxpayer is, well, not obligated, is able to take. So every um, taxpayer is able to take the standard deduction, okay? Every taxpayer, if you're itemized deductions is higher than your standard, you can take those. Every person can get the child tax credit 
and um, depending on your income earned, income credit, and first-time home buyers, just so many different credits and things like that. And I start to teach you that, okay, so you get the standard deduction. That's basically a full 12,000 and some 12,400 and something dollars that reduces your income. So you shouldn't be paying this amount of taxes because before they tax you, they're subtracting this and this and this. So I'm seeing a common thread in our community, Robert Weir's though, because they're lacking my level of expertise. Um, you can find any tax person off the block, but I'm talking about my high level expertise yeah. that many of us, are paying taxes when we're not even in the income bracket when we're supposed to. Because by the time we reduce your income down by your standard deduction, your child tax credit, your earned income credit and all of that stuff, you were supposed to only pay the IRS $0. But if you look at their W-2s of their pay stubs, Robert, they're paying $3,000. Now, where's my calculator? Let's take this $3,000, Robert, and say, okay, let's divide that by 12. That means each individual in our community, if they would have done it right, according to what we're talking about now, they will have an additional $250 a month in their household. Just imagine what could have been done for your children, what uh, what uh, credit you could have paid down, or debt you could have paid down, what additional um, savings you could have had for your um, vacations or whatever. Yeah based off us keeping more of our money. But guess what we're doing? We're giving them that 3,000 and they're giving us 8,000 back. Not realizing you were still gonna get the 5,000, but you were supposed to hold on to the 3,000 throughout the year. Yes. So that's why we're suffering from bad credit, lack of savings and things like that is because we're really overpaying in the tax system. Um, when the majority of us, if you make it under 50 something thousand and you sit down with your professional, the reality is you shouldn't even be paying federal taxes. So, so how, how is this not caught in like, say, cause figure most people use like online programs. Mm -hmm. And so think things like that, are in address or just do people not know that they should be deducting these things? Well, first of all, one that's is both, it's twofold. It's one that is not addressed because you know, in our community, it's common that we use uncredentialed individuals. We're using a mom and pop. We're using, you know, a cousin down the street. So they don't have the expertise sure. or the knowledge to really understand the tax system. So one, we're not aware of it. And then two, um, I, I just ran. What did you say? What was the other thing I said? I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, Robert. Um, no, I was saying, is it like because H and R Block or yeah. you know tax? Like, oh, do people just not know they should input it? Yeah. So no, it's automatically inputted, but they don't understand that that is re your income is reduced by that amount. They don't understand that oh, concept okay. before gotcha. they start to pay the taxes. Gotcha. So it's not explained like you. That's part of tax planning. And most people that make underneath, you know, 60, 70,000, 80,000, Robert, don't do tax planning. So they wouldn't factor in those dollars, you know, those credits and things that I'm talking about today. Gotcha. All right. So you said that your father is, is your competition. So so you, you, you branched off into your own. Yes, I was forced to. I was forced to. So we ended up me and my husband ended up getting married. Um, what would they say? Uh Shacked wedding, shacked, something. Shacked right? up. Yeah, we, we, okay. we just got married. <laughs> that didn't get everybody's approval. Um, uh, so then we ended up getting um, pregnant. My sister called it three six nine. 
when three months we were married, six months pregnant, now <laughs> the baby was here. <laughs> uh, but um, so um, when I got pregnant, got married, I said, you know, hey, dad, it's time now. You know, I've already grabbed my bachelor's. I have my insurance license. I was in, I'm an ex-insurance broker as well. Okay. I have my insurance license. I'm incorporating the payrolls to have payroll clients. I'm selling insurance. I'm finishing up my bachelor's. It's about to, you know, finish my accounting background stuff educational background stuff. And so I said, hey, dad, is it possible for us to really set up this partnership agreement? 40% for you, 40% for me. I will be your retirement plan. And then 20% will be retained in the office for bills and things like that. Uh, he said, oh, no, Shade, you have to build your own and, you know, all of this, <laughs> you know, no hard feelings. So, you know, me, yeah. um, tough love. Yeah, tough love. I, yeah. I understand he's built this practice for 20 something years, you know, handing over to me may not be a good thing. So I went and prayed and prayed and prayed. And then we ended up going into one of those executive suites. Okay. And so my husband was applying for a job. And we were sitting in there while he was submitting an application. And I'm like, Papa, these are all little offices. It was like like this <laughs> size, like a box. He was like, yeah. So while he was filling out his application, I went downstairs. to. Long story short, I went on ahead and put my application in. The, the cost was a uh reasonable so i just jumped out there here first without a plan at all nice sometimes they say you know you want to take over the island you got to burn the, burn the boat burn the boat you know Jump. you got to burn the boat yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. like i said a couple couple shows ago too when i first started going full force with the gym i was doing okay but i, I was working in four other gyms as well because you know because you know like most most gyms have i should say most trainers work at multiple gyms because like most places don't need you eight straight hours. So you, you bounce around. So I did four other gyms and I was making enough there pretty much to pay the mortgage. And then I went to the first big seminar I went to was out in California, Fitness Business Summit, and just listening to the presenters on stage. Cause you know, you get shaped by by your peers in mm -hmm. some, some fashion. Like I didn't really know much. Like I, I knew how to manage people and how to connect with people, but I didn't really know the fitness industry. So just the people I'm talking to, everyone's, you know, telling you where, where your ceiling is. And then I go to this summit and I'm just listening to people who have seven figure facilities, mm -hmm. multiple six figure facilities online, you know, make it six figures with online training. I'm like, I didn't know any of this was possible. You know, like, I didn't know any, any of this was possible. But it's like once you get your eyes open to what the possibilities are, like that's when you just have to lean into it. But the, yes. my biggest takeaway was one of the speakers said, if you have a plan B, plan A is never going to come to fruition. Wow. Yep. So as I was on the plane, I was typing up my resignation letters for the other gyms. <laughs> yeah. I landed, put my notice in all of them. You know, and again, my ex was like, what is she like? That's like 1500 bucks. I said, I know, but I got a zero win on this. Oh, yeah. Yep. On that. And then we did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all about step like that lean into it. Yeah. You know, so so how do you how do you market yourself? Oh well, I was like one of the first. Well, was the first accountant that was live streaming. So in 2015, oh. I started live streaming. Um, well, probably a little bit earlier before that, maybe in the 2014. Uh, right? Do you remember Blab? Do you no. remember Blab? And okay, 
So we started live streaming and stuff during our little live events on like Vlad and then Vlad disappeared in Periscope and Periscope then yeah, Facebook. And so I was live streaming. But initially when I first started my business, it was the normal brick and mortar type of sales process. You yeah. go to networking events, you join BNI, you do direct mailing and all of those things. And I truly um, didn't, um, I was always the youngest in the room and I didn't feel like that was the way that I really would be able to build the lifestyle that I dreamed of. So I just jumped on and just started live streaming and um, stopped live streaming about a year ago to kind of like build, focus on building my practice systems, team building, things like that. And then now I'm back to, you know, content creation on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, blogging and my radio show and all that. So we have like different avenues um, that I um, kind of market myself in now. Okay. I like it. Have you, have you, uh, uh, do you do Facebook ads? Um, I used to, before I got blacklisted from Facebook, I am so interested that they allow all of the junk that's out there. Um, mm -hmm. I have did a post about, um, um, how to build, how to leave millions of build generational wealth. And I had like eight slides and they were all true. Um, you, you, you set your kids up, hire your child, put deposit every month, every year, certain amount into their IRAs by this age, they'll have millions. If you do this, transfer over business, make millions, and they ended up saying that that was, um, you know, that against their um, company policies and things like that. So that's, I don't do Facebook ads at all anymore. That's against their liberal narrative. Exactly. That's what that is. They exactly. they can't they can't have us getting getting wealthy. Exactly what they want. Because they need us on the government. Exactly. So that's exactly what that is like. Is. Again, I did I did a I did my my other show last night talking talking about that and just you know and and, and it's funny because people like us get criticized yes it was like somebody somebody said, said to me why do you hate black people like why do i hate black people like and my <laughs> my initial comment was because people were talking about again like white supremacy and all yeah. that stuff and my comment was all anyone needs is a goal passion and then resilience to reach it okay. i said that's it that's i said it. I never said racism doesn't exist. I never said, you know, maybe the system was initially geared towards towards whites. Like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't say any of that wasn't true. I just said, I just saw a black president for eight years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I said, I want to take that path. I mean, I don't want to be president, but, you know, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, it's just the fact that he was able to ascend. Everything's there. possible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, what was wrong with my message by saying all you need is passion and resilience, <laughs> you know, and people were freaking out like, Oh, you're anti-black. You're pandering <laughs> to the white people. I'm like, by telling blacks you can succeed yeah. is anti-black. So you know my little accountability post, Robert, don't get no love, okay? You always know my little accountability post because they say that that's one of the biggest threats in our community is that we lack accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and I see it a comment. And so, no, it was nothing wrong with your post, Robert. Nothing wrong with your post. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, I remember once I had to go and get a new uh, food stamp card, an EBT card. And as I'm sitting in the room waiting, now, mind you, that one time that I had to, to get on assistance was when I built my gym. Like I finished my my college certificate program in mm -hmm. ex exercise science. I got group fitness certified and I got personal trainer certified. And then once I got all that, I mean, it took probably about a few more months, but then I was able to get away. But one thing I will say is that they make it very easy for you to stay on. Yes. 
they make it very, very easy. But I was sitting in the room waiting for the card, and there was this woman across from from, from me, young younger black girl. I think if I, if I remember correctly, she was about 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And her, her exact words, like I'll never forget. She says, yeah, she says, I got my CNA. I could go, go to work, but if I go to work, uh, they're going to take away my shit. Yep. Those are exact yep. words. And I was like, that's, that's the, like me. I couldn't get out of there fast enough, Yeah, <laughs> you know, fast enough. But it's like, that's what it should be geared toward. Like while you're on this assistance, there should be some type of education to go with it. Yeah. And that's how the approach I did. So when I was doing my undergrad, because Marissa Jones, was my mom's guardian. So yeah. she passed away while I was in my undergrad. And so I ended up having a blessing and had section eight, um, the whole four years, uh, well, three years of me, uh, well, yeah, three years of me going through undergrad. It wasn't a requirement, but I wasn't going to stop. I just needed a roof over my head so I can get rich and and take change the world, you know? Yeah. So it was, you have to go in there with the mindset that it's temporary and that, but it also has a lot to do with the people that you're surrounded with is like you said, you said it's encouraging. I think it's very attractive. Yeah. I think it's very attractive. It's like the sexiest man on earth, the system is, because, you know, if you calculate what everyone is receiving, it actually is about maybe three grand a month. So if you're not bringing that home after taxes, why wouldn't you sit at home? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I always say, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm an accountability coach as well. Okay. But, but I go more into the confidence because I always say the sexiest thing on a woman is confidence, you know, because so many women doubt themselves. Yes. You know, and, you know, especially, you know, women of color, like, like they, they, they doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have to con- constantly tell people, it's like, it's like you have you have a talent. It's like you have something that only you can tell. You know, like it says above mm-hmm. us, your, your true power li- lies in your story. Like it's in that story, there's something in there that has the power to change someone else's life. Yeah. And, and it said, once you realize that, your lack of confidence go, goes away because now you have a purpose. Yep. You know, so for me to sit here and talk to you and then, you know, dice dice this hour up into small smaller clips to, to, to disperse it on all the other platforms, this conversation is going to change the the generational success of a, of at least one family just from from us talking to each other for an hour i'm excited robert i hope so anyway yeah no definitely it definitely will because as, as i said as we're talking i said there's several other avenues i can um i can connect you with you know mm-hmm. so to get this to get your your message out you know to get our message out because we're, we're, we're on the same page here, yes. you know so it's like confidence and generational wealth you know you you instill that into a young black child instead of you're oppressed yep you know what i mean it's like why would you say that to a kid you know what i mean it's like why but you know what that's where it starts if we don't correct it now from us having these type of dialogues then they yes. prepare but remember we have to nail kind of, we can't really fret them all but don't give them the plate the space to make excuses but we yeah. can only go as far as say you know what i was taught wrongly yeah. um so like me prime example i was telling my sister um on a few areas that i'm trying to adjust in my marriage because i'm a more alpha female 
and you know masculine and i have to hold myself accountable so you know i don't want i don't want that i don't that's not how i'm supposed to be as a wife so then i have to be honest with myself and say what adjustments even if i wasn't taught this i accept that my community taught me to be alpha i've accepted that now what changes do i need to make yeah like i said earlier what you gonna do exactly <laughs> love it so what's what's next for you well what's next is that we are launching um i think one of my best programs ever audit proof um okay. yes where i'm teaching everyone business owners and individuals how to audit proof their tax deductions and their tax credits um i'm seeing so many coaches and you've probably seen the post on instagram and facebook oh deduct your your, your G-Wagon, deduct your Range Rover, deduct your iPhone, travel to Fiji and deduct all of this. The, the problem with those statements is that they're not teaching the people how to back that up and substantiate those expenses. You're telling them they can do all of this, but it's a lot of, you know, legwork that needs to be done to, first of all, say that the expense is ordinary and necessary for your business to be able to prove that it's for your business and to prove that it had a purpose and would generate revenue in the future. But Robert, we're not teaching the people that we're teaching them, oh, use business credit to buy this and it's a write-off. I am tired of it because we're the ones that's going to be audited the most. Um, so audit proof is going to teach us how to back up all of those tax deductions and credits and things like that that we're taking to reduce our taxes save money and build generational wealth see and and the way i just inter inter interpreted that you said you know we're going to be audited first and yes. then then to finish the sentence don't give them anything to find <laughs> you know just like when people talk to me about you know like racial profiling with with the police and i was like but if you want to talk about accountability you have to talk about it on both sides mm -hmm. it's like you can't just talk about it on one side if the cops keep finding stuff that's why they keep profiling because they keep finding stuff, you know? So like I've been pulled over for, for nothing and they found nothing. <laughs> you know, and like, pissed and send you off on your way. Yeah. And, uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. Done. <laughs> you know, done. It's that simple. But when you start trying to flex your rights, it's like, no, it, no you flex your rights in the court of law. You take your ticket, you sign the ticket, you show up to court, and you state your case. Like, yep. that's what, that's how you do that. <laughs> you know, so it, it, you're teaching your kids to fight back, yep. and then you're crying racism when they get shot. Yep. You know, it's like, again, you got you got to take personal accountability. And, I, and I'm talking about the ones that happen like that. Yeah. I know I know there are ones that don't happen like that. But a majority of them, that's how it happens. It's because you, you're fighting back. You know, it's like you get that would be like my kid trying to pick a fight with me. The kid, the kid's got no chance of winning that fight. If you try to fight a police officer, you're going to lose. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, down. yes, you know, it's like you know, just relax, keep yourself alive and you fight in court. You know, it's like these, these are messages that the black community needs to hear how to generate wealth. And just how to, I don't want to say respect, I'll say respect authority more so with the younger kids. Because they definitely, I get it, I can't lump them all together, but a lot of them wrong. don't respect I don't authority. Even think it, I don't even think, it, honestly, I think it's, it's it's much more bigger than just respect authorities. I think it all, to, and what I'm noticing is a common pattern is that we necessarily lost what we was value in the morals. 
and 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 the respect that we had for one another so without those core things then why would you expect for a child to leave your house and feel respected if they're not taught that or they're not seeing mm -hmm. that in the in, in the household remember yeah. what you teach them so for example if you're teaching your child when the police pull you over regardless of your race yes you're black but this is what you need to do. Don't worry about the color of your skin at the moment. Don't worry about that. Just give him what he needs and let him move on. So if you constantly beat that in them, when the police come, you're not going to get that that a strange situation. You're yeah. going to get a humble black guy. Now, if he pull you out the car and do all of that, now that's on him. And like yes. you said, that's when what you said the principles is defend that in court. Yes. Um, but I think one of the biggest issues is that we have to say it all starts with us individually. Like, what do you want? Like, do you want to continue to play the victim game and get nowhere? Or do you want to say, you know what? Hey, we tried it. Let's try the ladder and move on. And that, that's the approach that I take. So I'm the type of person just like you, Robert. I sit there and I analyze it from both sides. Yeah. Because I could have, you know, fell in the system and been like my old friends and, you know, fall into the system and, you know, been on welfare and the, the whole works, well, which I was at one point, but still on it, you know, <laughs> yeah. or I could have said, use the welfare and build. The choice is yours, guys. The choice is theirs, Robert. We, yeah. we made our choice. We chose the right way. Are they choosing the left way or the right way? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. You know, getting back to, to the accountability thing it's it's everything because as long as you blame someone else for your circumstance you're not gonna leave it you're not going to it's like you have to be failed like it's the same principle when people come to me and they say i've tried everything to lose weight i'm like if you're still overweight no you haven't i said i said that shows me that you quit everything yep so and i tell them if you're gonna join here i'd like i, I want a commitment from you that you are going to see this through. You have a goal. You have to see it through, regardless of what I put you through. Yeah. And then when I speak in schools, I say almost the exact same thing. I said, you know, who here has a goal? Who has a dream? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? Now it's your duty to make it happen. You know, and again, you're gonna you're gonna encounter things along the way. There's all kinds of ways life is gonna test you. So many different ways, but you got to be strong enough to navigate through it. And you know if you what, do Robert, that, you'll reach it. Robert, before we close out, because I know our time, but I'm about to connect the dots to what you said. If, if it was that easy, wouldn't everybody have a perfect life? Like, why, why wouldn't we expect some challenges? Like, let's really be honest here. Yeah. The, 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 every day you wake up, you should expect some form of challenge in some way. It might be a challenge and maybe tying a shoe or, or fixing a pipe. Or yeah. a challenge of answering a phone. It's going to be some challenge. As long as we have that mindset that when these challenges come, we face them head first, then we should be fine. But why, yes. why should you be successful without challenges? What gives you the right to say you want the world, Robert, right? And then you yep. don't want to do any of the work. Come on now. Yes. Like, I think that's where we fall short on. We want the lavish. We want the rich. We want the Gucci. We want this. We want this. Not knowing that, okay, for you to get Gucci, it's going to take you how many hours to afford that? And yeah. then after that, how you should have, you know, enough money to buy it two times yeah. or whatever the case may be. So we have to really say, you know what? Life comes with challenges. It's just how we deal with it, Robert. I think yes. that's one of the problems we're having, we're dealing with it in what you just said, whining, complaining, don't want to hold ourselves accountable and blaming everyone else but ourselves, yeah. you know.
So, and then let's be honest, me, I knew that I didn't want to be a baby mother. So I got on birth control. I made that choice young. And by the time I got married, then that's when I thought of my kids. What decisions, the choices do you want? You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and black women have the highest rate of single motherhood. They have yes. the, high, the highest rate of abortions. And I'm not talking about for or, or against. That's somebody's mm -hmm. personal decision. But nonetheless, black women, are they still have the highest rate. And they have the highest rate of sex, sexually transmitted infections. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like these are real, real problems in the community. And you can't blame racism for yeah. someone's inability to put a condom on. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's not that's not racist. I'm sorry. So, so like every time time I I hear racism is the number one problem in in the community, I'm like, then how are there so many successful blacks? Right? <laughs> you know exactly. <laughs> so so my thing is the things that I I didn't know. I found people that knew them, and I, I found people. I didn't go look for an Asian person. I didn't go look for a Hispanic person. I looked at who is good at what I need to know, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what gender they were, if they were gay or straight, I don't care if they were Jewish, Protestant, or whatever. You know, like if you if you are if you're a master in something that I need to learn, I'm coming to you. <laughs> you know, I'm coming to you. So once once we understand that if we all came together, that's the only way. That's the only way to fix the wrongs in this world because they don't they don't realize that emotional people are controlled people. Hmm. They're controlled people. So when you let people get a hold of your of your emotions, they can pull your strings. So like when people riot riot in the streets, the politicians are sitting back saying, "We got it." Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That's exactly what it is. But if we were to come together, like remember speaking of 9/11, yes. remember how everybody Everybody was holding, even gang members were holding hands. You know, everyone was like one nation. If we could get back to that again, but that doesn't work for the political parties. Right. So that's why we have to keep pushing. Well, one side keeps pushing this everything is racist card. Yes. You know, while calling the other side racist. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. So I know we got to go so far. I posed this question on my other show. Okay. I said, I said, so help me understand this said for the Democratic National Convention, their whole message, now I watched them both, their whole message, not one policy was discussed, foreign policy wasn't discussed, you know, healthcare, oil, none of that stuff. It was all white supremacy and racism, right? So Donald Trump was labeled a white supremacist and a racist. Mm -hmm. So if the biggest problem in this country is white supremacy and racism, and a presidential candidate is a racist white supremacist, why didn't he win? But why are we still <laughs> skipping killings and all of the stuff still happening and he's not in? Exactly. If if, exactly. if it was a you know geared around him, uh, and, you know. And even when Obama was president, like if everything is systemically racism, couldn't he have fixed it? Yeah, he could. <laughs> he could. Right, because it has to do with the party. He was still doing the party's dirty work. You know, so so everyone will say, you know, we had the first black president and he's he's a he's a great speaker. You know, I'll give him that. He can get on the mic and give everybody all the feels. But behind closed doors, he was still a puppet for the party. Yeah. You know, but, you know, what they look at, you know, individuals like ourselves that's willing to say this publicly and blatantly say it, that he didn't he didn't he wasn't for us. He wasn't. No. He was. No. But he was a puppet. 
And and the moment we say, well, what policies did he pass that benefit us? No one can say that. Oh, Obamacare. No, everybody gets that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But remember, I I was against it because of the penalties and stuff. Like people, everyday people being hit. I'm talking about $25,000 getting penalized. Thousands of dollars. Yeah, you know, for something that they didn't even have to go in the hospital for at all. So it's just <laughs> very interesting that we're just in this space, Robert, where you have to trade like, and then this cancel culture is a mess. No, but the cancel culture erupts because of no one one to hold each other accountable. Yeah. So so what what I'm finding because like I just started gaining traction on Twitter because mm-hmm. I I kind of stayed away from it be, because of that. But but at the same token. I can't sit here and say that young black kids and people of color and just young kids in general, you know, cause like it's not all young white kids are have it, have it easy, you know? So young kids need to hear a positive message. So I, I can't preach that and then not preach it. Yeah. So it's like, I, I have to be willing to take the shots to get the message out. Like mm-hmm. it is what it is, what it, what it is, no matter what you say, some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. So the people that hate it, I'm not gonna even address them. Nope. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk to the people who support and need or want to hear my message. The ones who don't, I'm not even gonna entertain them. So I'm sure eventually someone's gonna do a, a reaction video to what one of my videos, and I'm not even gonna watch it. I'm not even gonna watch it. I'm like, cause I, I'm not talking to you. Like if if I don't resonate with you, then we don't need Bye. to talk, yeah. right? We don't need to talk. Plain and simple. <laughs> All right, give us a final word. You know, I just kind of the segue into what we were talking about. Like, I just want to just basically say, guys, you know, you can have it all. I know they try to say that you, you know, it's not possible or women may not be able to have it all. As long as you are comfortable and you have your master plan and you're not trying to follow somebody else's lifestyle, you can definitely have it all as long as you're willing to put in the work. And as long as you're willing to have that high level of accountability where you're when you're sitting back and you're like, okay, well, what could I've done better in this situation? What could I do right now to change this? The moment that each one of us robbers start to ask us and get off of Instagram and Facebook and start getting into our own selves internally, we will start to see that. We don't want what everybody else wants. Like, we don't need all of that. Like, once you get to the core of who you are, what's happening on the news and out there won't phase you. But then you'll go back and you'll see wholesome families. You'll see more married families, less um, divorces, less single moms. I think if we all start to do that self-accountability, we as a community will be whole, Robert. I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent. I agree. And like you said earlier, it's it start it starts in the home. You know, so if the home starts broken, like I said, said earlier, you know, 70% of black kids are born into a single parent home. Mm-hmm. So like, like you need you need that structure from both sides. Yeah. But you got the government telling you, no, you don't. We got you. Exactly. You know, so these men are making babies and running away. And then that leads to a whole host of other problems. Like, you know, my, my dad passed in 2019, oh, right, God. right before it was right before COVID though. So it was actually good because had he, had he lived a little longer, he probably would have died alone. Mm. So, it, it, so at yeah. least, at least we had three generations around him when he oh, took yeah. his, when he took his last breath. So it was, it was a good, it was a good ending for him. So 
you know, I appreciate the well, the, the, uh, the well wishes though, but I, I couldn't, I mean, I, I love my mom. I have a great relationship with my mom, but it, it, it's those conversations with dad, those tough, those tough love, cut the BS, you know, forge your own path. He's like, be so good. They don't even know you're black. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like those conversations what was what helped mold me into me, me too. you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like mom was always there to, you know, mom always gave me the support, you know, but dad gave the tough love, you know, yeah. always. He was right there. Listen, you you can do better. You can yeah. do better. That's okay, but you can do better. Okay, good, but you can do better. Mm -hmm. No, he never, ever let us settle, you know, and he never let us blame anything. But that's what they call masculine toxicity, right? Toxic uh, masculinity. Toxic, yeah, yeah. Toxic masculinity, man. No, it's not mm -hmm. toxic, y'all. It's not, no, that's necessary. No, nope, not at all. Yeah. So with my daughter, I know I, I, I feel like we could talk for like two more hours <laughs> with, uh, with my daughter. I told her um, I, I was showing her how to change a tire outside on the car. And uh, and so I posted the picture of it on Facebook and someone says, you know, great, great job teaching her to not need a man. And I, I roll under. I said, I'm teaching her to compliment the right man. Life skills. If she's yeah. outside of her road and her husband can't get to her, yeah, she's going to probably have to get out. He's going to apologize profusely, but she's going to have to do what she needs to do. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. You compliment the right man because <laughs> yes. you know it's like you have your skill set, you have your skill set, and then you compliment each other. You know, it's like oh. that's that's what you do. Like I'm not going to raise her and say you don't. Like, there are things yeah. that. That men are better at than women. There are things that women are better at than men. Why? Why do you think we have different different hormones? Yeah. You know, it's like we're we're designed differently for a reason. Because there are things in the household that are gonna come up that you're better suited yeah. to handle. There are yeah. things that that are gonna come up that your husband is better suited mm -hmm. to handle. You know, that doesn't make either one of you lesser than the other. Hmm. But together, you're unstoppable. Unstoppable. You know. And then, so I'll end on that. Oh, that you was know. amazing. Yes, this was great. I, I actually think I want I want to have you on the other show too. If you oh don't mind. Lord, don't give me back like that. No, I would. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> no, no, like, I'm like, down it's... for the conversation, honestly, because Robert, I want to change the world. I didn't come here to just come online and you know say some fruity stuff and make everybody proud. I always yeah, exactly. rattle, rattle feathers. So and, <laughs> and, and, and Chan probably be like, okay, Robert. Down, but don't get her in too much trouble, man. See, with that one too, is it's not what you think it is either. Like, it's not what one of these. Like, I I stick to the facts. I stick to personal personal accountability. When I have other guests on, I I tell people before we even go on air, I tell them like own own your truth. Like, if if you if you have if you have a certain feeling, you know, own your truth. Like, someone who got beat up by the police. Yeah. Is, pro is probably going to have a different different opinion than me who never has. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll tell me, like, share your truth, but don't stuff your truth down my face. I said, that's where that's where debates and tough conversations go go wrong is people like, it's like, I'll be sitting here trying to tell you why my opinion's right. It's like, right. no, 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 no. Listen, it's like, I've been alive for 47 years. I've been pulled <laughs> over a handful of times. I've never had an issue with police. I volunteered at multiple police precincts and I met a lot of amazing cops. 
You know, there's nothing wrong. That's my lived experience. You can share yours. You got pulled over. You you had to serve two years for a marijuana charge. You, you know, like whatever it was, share the truth because we have to understand all sides of the issue. Like there, there's no one right answer or one wrong answer. You know, so so that's what that show is. It's called okay. we. It's called we about to get deep. Okay, I go deep now. I go deep now. I really do. I love it. All right, don't don't sign out though. But uh, thank you very much for 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 joining us. It was a great conversation. I appreciate you much. Thank you, Robert, for having me. My pleasure. All right, bye. All right, what an awesome conversation. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I meet amazing person after amazing person after amazing person, and today was no different. And for a hundredth show, I think this is perfect. Like we. We got a little bit of deep, you know, we got a little bit of tough love. We had some laughs, but the biggest thing is it's about empowering the next generation. If we don't empower the next generation, the same cycle is going to continue. So we can't change the two political parties, but know who we can change. We can change you. We can change what you think about you. We can change what you think about money and what you think about the tax system as she just broke down for the last hour. You're in charge of your wealth. The government isn't in charge. The political parties aren't in charge. The white man isn't in charge. You're in charge. So embrace that. If you join this late, go back and watch this whole thing. This was an amazing conversation. And I lied. I said the other day was going to be the last time I played this outro, but the new one isn't done yet. So you have to hear this one again. (laughs) Have a good day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com speaks on Instagram.